wife and I thank you that uh, we can be back with our people. And um, it's, uh, it's so easy to miss each other, to miss our church family when we're away. And uh, we just love you, Lord. And we pray that you can keep us together as a family. We know things are getting tough in this culture as our government is getting more and more anti-Christian. And so I just pray, Lord, that, uh, that you would strengthen us as a, a body of believers, <clears throat> strengthen us as a church family. And I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me with your spirit to proclaim your truth. Give me clarity of thought. Help me to articulate what your truth, what you want said today. Because the people who are here, they came to hear from you, Lord, not from me. So I pray you cancel the man and anoint me to proclaim your truth. I pray, Lord, that you'd open hearts and minds, including my own, to apply these truths to our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit and for your glory. And uh, we just long for the day when your son, the Lord Jesus, takes his stand upon the earth. Until then, empower us to be your people, to proclaim your truth, and to do your work. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about the full armor of God. The full armor of God. You know, another way to say put on the full armor of God is to be filled with the Spirit. There's just different ways of saying the same thing. And, um, and we want to be filled with the Spirit. Okay? And, um, and so look at uh, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13. We already... I already preached on this a few weeks ago, but we need to get the context. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. Okay? So, we're to be strong in the Lord and in His strength. And so, so many of us, we rely on our own strength. Uh, you know, men, men and women, we just rely on our own strength. We think we're real tough and this and that and... You know, I grew up in New Jersey, and I used to box, and then I started lifting weights. I'm a former Marine, former cop, think I'm a tough guy. And then you, you, you reach that point in your life where you, you're not even sure you can take your grandson anymore. You know? Now, granted, I got a big grandson, but he's still my grandson. And it, and it kind of hits you between the eyes. And, yeah, he's getting bigger and stronger. At the same time, uh, I'm getting smaller and weaker and older. And, uh, and you realize, you know, that uh, the people are as grass. Isaiah 40, verses 6 to 8, the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. So as we, as we lose our physical strength, which really doesn't amount to a whole much, we need to focus more and more. It causes us to focus more and more on God's strength. I've I got to be strong in the Lord, not my own strength. Our own strength is going to only take us too far. You rely totally on your own strength, it'll take you to hell. Okay? You've got to rely on the Lord who provided salvation for us through Jesus. And um, that's the road to take. But we've got to stop relying uh, on our own strength, rely on the Lord. And the way we do that, we have to put on the whole armor of God. This is not, there's a lot of people who pray on the full armor of God. That's okay to pray on the full armor of God, but then you still got to put it on. Okay? This is not just like, okay, I'm going to say the right prayer and then slime through my day and God's going to produce fruit in my life. Fruit, fruit for his kingdom. No, you got to put on the whole armor of God, each and every day. And uh, we're going to look at the different aspects, the different parts of the full armor of God. That's the only way we're going to be able to take on Satan and win. The evil one is much more powerful than we are in our own strength. But nobody, but nobody could take on our God. 
You know, this world, this world looks at Jesus and says, ah, a lamb who was slain. Oh, yeah, he's a lamb who was slain. But he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. Okay? You think, uh, you think uh, big, powerful billionaires that want to rule the world, want to enslave us, you think they're afraid of me? They're not afraid of me. They're not afraid of you. Okay? But uh, when King Jesus comes back, they're going to bow before him. That's where the power is. The eternal power of the good God. And... Uh, so we, we got to remind ourselves, we're not, we're not, we're not button heads with politicians and, and billionaires and technological gurus who are trying to cancel us left and right and trying to force us to do their little thing and enslave us. and all. Those aren't the enemies. The real enemies we battle are way worse and way more powerful than them. The demonic realm. You go in your own strength, you're going to get whooped. Okay. Even Michael the Archangel didn't lock horns with Lucifer. But he said, the Lord rebuke you. And we've got to do the same. Okay? I'm not as tough as Michael the Archangel. But my God is his God. And uh, the same power, Paul said in the book of Ephesians earlier on, same power that it took for God to raise Jesus, God the Father to raise Jesus from the dead, that same power is at work in you and that power, that power is at work in me. Okay, we've got to access God's power, not our own power, because we do battle ultimately, you know, ultimately our enemies are the demonic realm, Satan and his minions. Uh, there's a lot of people who think they're calling the shots on this planet and they're just being used as pawns by Satan and his demons. And so Paul says that we need to then take up the full armor of God so we'll be able to withstand an evil day. When is the evil day? The evil day is right now. Okay? And it's been an evil day uh, throughout history, ever since we fell in the garden. But we need to be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Remember I talked about in spiritual battle. Uh, it's not just important at that moment of spiritual battle. Even if you're taking on a Satan worshiper or, or a Wiccan or whatever they may be, um, when you're taking on... Um, someone through the power of God in a spiritual battle, don't drop your guard even after the, the initial victory. You've got uh, to stand firm. And, um, and so Paul says, and, he, and we'll pick it up there in verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So let's start looking at the full armor of God. We'll look first at the belt of truth and the, the breastplate of uh, righteousness. Now, truth. You know, what is truth? That was a question Pontius Pilate asked, and Jesus didn't even answer him because he wasn't ready for the answer on the night that uh, Jesus was betrayed. The Roman governor said, what is truth? And Jesus didn't answer. Earlier that night, Doubting Thomas said, show us the way. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Only way to be saved is through Jesus. So Jesus identified himself as the way to heaven. But he also identified himself as the truth. You see, since God is the source of all truth, he is truth. Since God is the source of all love, he is love, okay? And uh, so Jesus can call him truth. is so important, it can be a title of God because all truth comes from God. Jesus is the truth. As the creator, he's the source of all truth. God's word is truth. You know, 2 Timothy 2.15, handle accurately the word of truth. God even reveals much truth to us through nature. But truth, truth, you know, philosophers define truth as that which corresponds to reality. So now I'm paraphrasing here, but Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, said uh, to say of what is, it is, or of what is not, it is not, that is truth. Okay? So basically truth is telling it like it is. 
okay? If you say of what is, it is not, that's falsehood. Truth is telling it like it is. Truth is, is living in the real world. And so many of our leaders today don't want us to live in the real world because Jesus is king of the real world. And so they want us to live in their little Bill Gates world or their George Soros world of, of lies. Okay? No, you want to live in the world of truth. Um, you want to live in God's uh, reality. And so truth, the truth is the awareness and the recognition of the real facts about God and man. For instance, the truth is we can't save ourselves. The Bible is very clear on that. The truth is that Jesus is the only way for us to be saved. And so not only do we have to acknowledge the truth that is out there, we also need to acknowledge the truth that is here. We, got, we can't be hypocrites. We've got to live in sincerity. We've got to acknowledge, you know, we're sinners. We cannot save ourselves. We deserve the flames of hell. The only way to be saved is to trust in Jesus, who is God the Son, become a man, and he died on the cross for our sins, took our punishment for us, and then bodily rose from the dead to conquer death for us. So we've got to be sincere. We can't, if you're a hypocrite, you're not living in truth. It doesn't matter how many biblical truths that your mind accepts, how many truths your mind accepts from the Bible, if you're going to live a lie and pretend to be this, this godly, faithful, obedient Christian, but deep down inside you know that you're not, you're not sincere, you're not truthful with others about yourself, okay, then you're still living a lie. Okay? Um, and so we have to be people uh, of truth. We, we've done such a bad job at proclaiming the truth in our culture that Francis Schaeffer in the 1970s had to coin the phrase, true truth. Because if you say truth anymore, nobody knows what you mean. I mean, our president, when he was running for president, um, he said, we believe in the truth, uh, not the facts. And everybody laughed and thought he was making a mistake. No, that's, that's, that's postmodernism. The idea that each community makes up its own narrative, its own story, and that becomes our truth. We believe what we want to believe, and no amount of facts is ever going to change our mind. Okay? And, um, no, this is a world of lies. We've got to speak truth to a culture of lies. That's not going to make us popular. Okay? That's not going to make us popular at all. But God has called us to speak truth. Speak the truth in love, but speak the truth to a culture of lies. And, uh, and the more we know the truth, the less likely we are to fall for one of Satan's lies. And believe me, there are a lot. I, I, I made a list. I was just writing these down this morning. Here's just a, a list of some of Satan's lies. Um, one lie is there's no God. How many people have fallen for that? Okay? I've de debated guys on college campuses that believe, that fell for that lie, believe there's no God. Or you say, well, maybe there's a God, but God is a non-personal force. So it's like Star Wars. It's the force be with you. It's not the Lord be with you. Okay? Because you don't have to submit to a force like electricity. You don't get moral commands from a non-personal force, okay? But if God is a personal God, he makes moral demands on our lives, okay? And so we, we got we to, gotta, you know, we begin, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. The scriptures tell us that. We've got to start out acknowledging, look, if you want to live a life of truth, first thing you got to acknowledge is, there is a God, and you're not him. Okay? There is a God, and you're not him. And then you got to say, okay, well, how do I get with his program? Well, guess what? You can't do it in your own strength. You deserve hell. You deserve to be separated from him. And the only way to the Father is through the Son, through trusting in the Lord Jesus for salvation. So some of Satan's lies, there is no God, or God is a non-personal force. I can save myself. Another one of Satan's lies. 
I don't need to repent. And I'm not just talking about non-believers here. How many times do we wrong a brother or sister in the Lord, or even a non-believer, and we refuse to acknowledge that we sinned? We always try to justify our actions. You blow your temper, deep down inside, you know you're disobeying God, but you won't admit it. Okay? If we're going to be people of truth, uh, we're going to need to acknowledge. When we do wrong, we need to repent. We need to turn from our sin. Uh, other lies of Satan. All religions lead to God. There's many ways to God. Uh, here's a big lie that's really getting popular today. I call it the deification of the state. Trust in government, not God. Okay? Do you know how many times uh, media people have made fun of Christians when something bad happens, some tragedy happens, and Christians start praying? And now we get mocked for praying. You know, that's a big message in America today. Don't pray. Just turn to the government with all your problems. That's turning the government into a false idol, turning the government into God. That's the deification of the state. I would argue that's the number one lie of Satan right now, is to try to get us all to worship the government. Okay? We submit to the governing authorities. Now, when they, when they order us to disobey God, then we say with the apostles, we must obey God rather than man. Um, but the fact of the matter is, right now, there, you, know, you, you are going to... Life is going to get very difficult for you if you do not worship the state in the very near future. Okay? And all I could say is, uh, look, Jesus didn't promise us a rose garden. He didn't call us to a, a picnic. He called us to a spiritual war. And it's going to get hot in the kitchen. Okay? And all I'm saying is just keep, you, you, you speak the truth in love. You love your persecutors. You pray for them. Okay? Um, you try to be wise. You try to protect your family. But things are going to get very difficult in the near future because right now there's a new religion in town. And that religion is worship of the state. And um, the powers that be on this planet empowered by the demonic realm, uh, they don't like any competition. They don't like competition from our God. And uh, we need to feel sorry for them. Because their day of reckoning will come. If they don't repent and turn to Jesus, their day of reckoning will come. You know, Bill Gates might feel sorry. He don't even know who Phil Fernandez is, but if he knew who I was, he'd probably feel sorry for me because I think he makes a little bit more money than I make. And, uh, and he's got way more houses and bigger houses and more toys than me. So he probably feels sorry for me. The fact of the matter is I pity Bill Gates. Unless he bows before the Lord Jesus Christ and trusts in him for salvation, Amen. I feel sad for him. And so we need to pray for him. But, uh, but we don't fear them. We don't fear man. We fear God. Some more lies of the state. Uh, sexual immorality is okay. Whether it's premarital sex, adultery, homosexuality, now transgenderism. Okay, in a society that no longer believes in the true God, if a society no longer believes in the true creator, you get to recreate yourself in whatever image you want. Okay? And so now if a guy wants to be a gal... He's a gal, and you can get fired if you don't, if you don't call him her or she. Okay? Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you can get in trouble. It used to be 20 years ago, somebody might yell at you. It's happened to me before. If you're in Barnes & Noble and somebody overhears you sharing the gospel or teaching the Bible to somebody else in public. So, if you did, so 20 years ago, you can get in trouble in America if you spoke about Jesus. Right now, you can get in trouble if you just speak the truth. If you say, excuse me, sir, uh, that's the ladies' room. The men's room's over there. You know, if you get a culture, you show me a culture that hates God, and I'll show you a culture that hates truth. Are you, are you wearing the belt of truth right now? Are we going to wimp out? Are we going to cave in? Are we going to back down? 
to this culture and its lies. We got to decide. I, n- I never thought, you know, when I became a Christian in 1981, I thought, it's going to take some courage to share my faith. I never thought we'd reach a day where it's actually going to take courage to say a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. Um, but we live in a culture of lies. A culture that hates God is going to hate truth. Um, critical race theory. Here's another one of Satan's lies. With All of a sudden, you know, back in the days of Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther King Jr. wanted us to judge people by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. Now, if you say that, you don't tell people who you're quoting, you're called a racist. Because now we're supposed to judge people by the color of their skin or the group that they're in. This is one of the lies of Satan. You really, if you just say God loves, God created us all in his image, God loves all mankind, we're fallen, salvation's through Jesus, but all, all, all men and women are created equal. You say that, you're, you're a racist. That's, that's considered racism today because of the lie of critical race theory. The lie of socialism, big government, that big government has all the answers. God did not institute human government to replace God. God instituted human government to protect your God-given rights so that you'll have the freedom to be all, if you choose, you'll have the freedom to be all that God called you to be. It also gives you the freedom to fail, by the way. When the the government tries to take away your freedom to fail, it's also going to take away your freedom to succeed. And, uh, but socialism, big government, human wisdom, we're, we're acting now like science is infallible. You know, so we got these uh, uh, scientists who are more politicians than they are scientists. They'll say A is true. And any scientists who disagree with them, even if they're world-renowned scientists in their fields, they get canceled. They get canceled. There's, a, there's an atheist an agnostic, actually, uh, political commentator. Don't agree with the guy on everything, but he's gone on record saying cancel culture is just a dress rehearsal for genocide. If you can cancel people based on what they say, and you could destroy their careers and destroy their reputation just because you don't like what they're saying, then you just go a few years down the line and you can put people in prisons and you can execute people. Okay? You, once God is removed, you can not only redefine what you consider to be true, what your government considers to be true, and what is false, but you can also redefine sanity and insanity. So all of a sudden, the sane people become insane. And the insane people and their views. I mean, that's the choice. Either a culture respects God as creator and respects his moral laws, or you get insanity. There's no in-between. So when you turn on a television set and you watch the news, or you get online and you hear what's going on in this world, okay, that's insanity. In California, I don't know if the bill passed, or if they're trying to, the governor's trying to pass a bill in California where a child can have a, a sex change without the parents' consent, but the parents' health insurance still has to pay for it. Okay? It's insanity. That's insanity. If you want to throw God off the bridge, there's consequences to that. And we're seeing, starting to see those consequences in America today. But the idea that science is infallible, no, science is, is supposed to be tentative. Science is supposed to be tentative. Um, uh, if science was infallible, then Einstein would not, his, his theories of relativity would have never won the day because he was questioning uh, the scientific consensus of his day. And at first they thought he was a quack. Science is just fallible men through trial and error trying to find truth. So you dogmatically act like you got a virus totally figured out in the early days of that virus? No. There's lots of different opinions. And if you're going to cancel out all the other opinions and act like the politically correct scientists are infallible and uh, 
human wisdom is infallible, um, that's, that's not the, living in the truth. Uh, we got worship the earth and the environmental extremism that we see today. That's another one of Satan's lies. Abortion, infanticide, euthanasia. Whether we kill babies before they're born, after they're born, or if they get elderly and, and sick, uh, human beings are created in God's image. We have the right, the God-given right to life. These are lies. Uh, it, it, by the way, man is trying to play God and the whole transhumanism movement, animal-human hybrids and, and eventually computer-human hybrids, um, that stuff is not only being talked about, it's being experimented on. And I can't tell you for sure if the videos I'm watching, if we've actually brought animal-human, I know I've known we had them frozen in the embryonic stage, in the fetal stage, but if we're actually bringing them to birth, um, I'm telling you, at the Tower of Babel, when everybody spoke one language, God said, uh, now nothing will be impossible for them to do. So what did God do? He intervened. God could say that again. Now nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them to do. Well, you know what? If mankind is united in opposition to God, like at the Tower of Babel and at the UN today, we're going to wipe ourselves out. When we try to save the planet without submitting to God, we're going to wipe ourselves out. And God says, okay, now nothing will be impossible for them to do. I need to intervene. And it's my understanding of the Bible, the next intervention that the Bible talks about is the second coming of Jesus Christ to the planet Earth. Now, I don't know about you. When Jesus comes back, I want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Okay? I don't want him to say, oh, you got a little bit sick, so you dropped out. No, I want to preach Jesus till he comes back. But if he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, he's going to say that to us, it's good we're going to be wearing the belt of truth. We're going to be standing for the truth. Uh, the, the ultimate lie of Satan is man is God. That's the lie he gave us in the Garden of Eden. And um, let me tell you, you've got a lot of wannabe gods walking around this planet and are uh, being chauffeured around this planet. And, uh, and then some of them say that they're oppressed. you got billionaires saying they're oppressed. They think they're God, and they say they're oppressed, and they're billionaires, and it's like, why don't you share some of that oppression with other people? Um, um, man is God. The family must be destroyed. You realize there are organizations out there? It's not just... Uh, Marx and Engels in the Communist Manifesto, uh, there are whole movements dedicated to destroying the family. Redefining marriage, destroying the family. Uh, the government wants to control the children, not the parents. Hey, look, parents, you don't even own your kids. They're on loan to you from God. And you're supposed to be a faithful steward. You're responsible to God in how you raise your children. But the idea that the government's going to do a better job with your kids than you are? No. Uh, the church must be destroyed. Any time you get governments that want to be all-powerful, okay, um, they can't tolerate the church. Because, you see, what we're telling the government is we submit to your authority to a certain degree, but there's an authority above you. That authority is the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, you try to get us to turn our backs on God, then we must obey God rather than men. And then one more lie of Satan. You could, you could, you could stay all day listing lies of Satan that our culture is falling for but no freedom of speech for opposing voices. Okay? Uh, God didn't institute human government uh, to silence your speech. God gave you free will, 
and he gave you a mouth and he gave you a tongue, okay? And uh, God instituted government to protect your freedom of speech. When human beings are able to talk different views, we're much more likely to find the truth. But when you get a dogmatic government, you know, the, the, man, the anti-Christian atheists call themselves free thinkers, and they say they're opposed to dogmatism, people who really believe they know the truth. So they slam the church for being dogmatic. I'm telling you right now, our government is more dogmatic than churches are. And, uh, and of course, the other side of the coin, we really do have the truth, the Lord Jesus, but we don't force people to come to Jesus. Um, we don't cancel other people uh, who use their freedom of speech and freedom of religion to walk away from the Lord. We love them and we preach Jesus to them. Um, but the belt of truth, do you have the belt of truth on? Are you living in the truth? Okay? Because you're not ready for spiritual battle unless you're living in the truth. Okay? And it's going to get harder and harder. Already, I don't even want to, I don't even want to have a show of hands about how many people who have had some kind of cultural diversity training or whatever, where the, the, the world forces all this non-truth, all, this, all these falsehoods down your, your throat. And, uh, you know, if you've got to go through that kind of training to keep your job, you know, let it go in one ear and out the other and just go like that. You know, what, what do you think? What do you think, Johnny? You know... And then you go back to doing whatever your job is, okay? Um, don't fall for that stuff. Amen. Test everything with the Bible, with the Word of God. Amen. Francis Schaeffer wrote numerous books. One was The God Who Is There. There is a God, okay? But he also wrote He Is There. And he is not silent. He speaks to us through creation, but he speaks to us definitively in his word. We have to test all things, everything we hear, everything we see, test all things with God's word and hold to that truth. We need to belt the truth. If you're not going to live in God's truth, if you're going to live in some fairy tale land of insanity, you are not ready for spiritual warfare. So you've got to wear the belt of truth. So stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now the Bible teaches us that Jesus is our righteousness. Okay? The judgment is going to be based on the righteousness of Jesus. Okay? Our own righteousness, Isaiah says, is filthy rags before the Lord. So if I stand on the judgment day in my own strength and I don't trust in Jesus, then God the Father is going to judge my so-called righteousness based on the perfect standard, the Lord Jesus. And I'm going to fall short. Mahatma Gandhi said, I could not accept that Jesus is God. If Jesus is God, then I'm God. But if I'm not God, then Jesus is not God. Well, Mahatma Gandhi, on a judgment day, you're going to stand there in your own righteousness, and it's going to be declared to be filthy rags, because it's going to be measured against the perfect righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're trusting in Jesus for salvation, you're going to stand there on a judgment day, and... Um, there's my filthy rags, but I'm going to be covered with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. Because I didn't trust in my righteousness. I trusted in his righteousness. So that right, if you're a believer, that righteousness is a free gift to you. Yet, when it comes to the full armor of God, God doesn't say, just, just cling to your standing, your righteous standing through Jesus. Paul says... You need to put on righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. 
So you, you have a righteous standing with God. When God sees you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. But God also wants you to act upon that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And uh, so it's not like you, you're not supposed to just lay in bed and be a lazy guy all the time and just kind of hang out and say, uh, yeah, I'm just going to watch TV and hang out in bed and, uh, you know... I'm not going to go share my faith. I'm not going to do what God's called me to do because I got the righteousness of Christ. Look, you got the righteousness of Christ? Show me. If you got the righteousness of Christ, allow the Holy Spirit to work that righteousness out in your life. That's why James said, don't tell me you got faith. Show me you got faith by your works. Uh, Faith without works is dead. And so... We're not just to talk about our righteous standing before God. We must put on this righteousness. It's a practical righteousness. We must live righteous lives by allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. Righteous living purifies us and protects our hearts. Now, when I first, I got saved in 1981. First sermon I ever preached, because the first time I spoke publicly, I just shared my testimony. Then the... um, first sermon I ever preached on a biblical passage was on the full armor of God. And so that's probably 1983, 1984. And and I couldn't understand how Paul could talk about the whole armor of God and never mention love. Okay? How could he talk about put on the full armor of God to stand in the day of spiritual battle and he doesn't talk about love. I mean, in 1 Corinthians 13, he says you can do powerful things, but if you have not love, you're just a clanging bell. And I just thought, you know, where's the love? And uh, uh, look at 1 Thessalonians 5.8. 1 Thessalonians 5.8. And that reads, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So now when Paul talks about the full armor of God in Ephesians, you got the helmet of salvation, but the breastplate, instead of being the breastplate of righteousness, is the breastplate of faith and love. What you need to do is do a study on faith and love. The breastplate of righteousness is the breastplate of faith and love. Um, You see, Christianity is not a list of rules and regulations that you try to obey in your own strength. When you try try to obey God's laws in your own strength, the law is going to do what it was intended to do. It's going to smack you down. It's going to reveal the holy standards of God, and it's going to reveal your own fallenness, your own sinfulness, and it's going to show you a gap between your self-proclaimed righteousness and the true righteousness of God. A gap that can only be traversed by the cross of Christ. So the law is a tutor, a substitute teacher that leads us to Christ. Galatians 3.24. And um, so... Uh, Christianity is not a list of rules and regulations for you to try to obey in your own strength. Uh, Christianity is a personal love, faith, or trust relationship with the Lord Jesus, the moral lawgiver himself, and that empowers you from the heart through the power of the Holy Spirit to obey God's laws. So in other words... You shouldn't wake up in the morning. I mean, there's nothing wrong with making a list of things that you think God's calling you to do. But just remind yourself that your walk with the Lord is a walk with the Lord. It's not just a list of rules and regulations. You have to have that personal love relationship with the Lord. So Mark 12, 30 and 31. 
Jesus summed up the entire law. He wants us to focus not on the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. Now, usually the letter of the law matches the spirit of the law, but sometimes it doesn't. God wants us to obey the spirit of the law. What is the spirit of the law? Jesus said, love God. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law is contained in that. That's why in the Old Testament, when you try to uh, sum up all of God's commands in the Old Testament, over 600 commands, they're summed up in the Ten Commandments. And the first four deal with our relationship with God, and the last six, our relationship with our neighbor, with our fellow man. Well, Jesus even sums up the Ten Commandments in just two. Love God with everything you got, love your neighbor as yourself. And then we're like, well, I don't know how to do that. Okay, well, I'll give you a lot of examples. The Bible's a big book. Okay? All right? But love God with everything you got, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't have righteousness without love. But Paul could say in Romans 3, starting in verse 20, where he says, no one will become righteous by obeying God's law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Okay? And then he teaches that we're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone. So now the Jews might think, or the, the, the Roman readers might think, okay, well then I can just go on sinning. Just trust in Jesus for salvation. Paul says in Romans 3.31, uh, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law by faith. Okay? So, um, James, faith without works is dead. So what, we, what you find is that we can put on righteousness and live righteous lives through the power of God, not through our own human effort, but through faith and love. And that's faith in Jesus, that personal trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and loving God with everything we got and loving our neighbors as ourselves. So the breastplate of righteousness is, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, the breastplate of faith and love. In fact, I, I'm not big on formulas, but there's a formula uh, for righteousness in the scriptures, uh, righteousness equals faith plus love in action. Okay? And um, so I would start each day. Not, don't start each day saying, what, what things you want, do you want me to do, Lord? Start each day with, Jesus, I want to walk with you. Because I love you and I trust you. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, control me. Make it natural for me to walk in the supernatural. Cause me to see people through your eyes and love people with your love. Um, and that's what Paul's talking about with the breastplate of righteousness. By the way, righteousness is, another word for righteousness is justice. And the whole social justice movement is not righteousness. Okay? We should seek social justice, but what is called social justice today is not social justice. You don't express your political opinion by burning down uh, people's businesses. You don't express your political opinion by spitting on police officers and throwing rocks at them. Okay? Um, you want to find out what justice is, what righteousness is? Read the Bible. Don't listen to CNN and say, okay, I guess that's what uh, justice is. Those guys wouldn't know justice if it hit them in the head. Okay? Um, we want to be people of truth. We want to be people of righteousness. Now, back in Ephesians 6... We're going to put on the full armor of God, so we've got to have on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, which is faith plus love in action. Think of your walk as a personal love-trust relationship with the Lord Jesus. It's, it's kind of like, you know, I give the, 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 the story I call it the tale of two fathers. One father uh, 
just he lists. He, he goes to work before the sun rises, comes home after the sun sets. The sun doesn't really have a relationship with him, and he's got a list of rules and regulations on the wall. And uh, don't eat cookies from the cookie jar. Save room. We're having liver and uh, onions tonight. Okay? And so what does the little boy think? The little boy thinks. He says, wait, I don't like liver and onions. Okay? I don't think I need that. I didn't even know there were cookies in a cookie jar. Now that I know there's cookies in a cookie jar, I think I'm going to have some of that. Who is this guy that tells me what to do? I don't even see the guy. Okay? Now, the other father. He spends time with his son. He loves his son. He hugs his son. When his son does wrong, he spanks the son. They play catch together. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're not city guys. Maybe they actually go fishing together, too. Okay? And then when he puts a sign in the son's bedroom, the kid wakes up, don't eat cookies from the cookie jar, save room, we're having liver and onions tonight. The little guy is like, man, why would anybody eat liver and onions? I love cookies. But you know what? I love my dad. And I have faith in him. I trust in what he says more than I trust in my own beliefs. Sounds kind of weird, but I'm going to try to resist. Because of my love and my trust for my dad, I'm going to try to resist the cookies from the cookie jar. And I'm really going to try. I'm going to drink a lot of water. I'm going to try to wash down some of that liver and onions tonight. But that's the way we got to be. we got to have that personal love, trust, relationship with the Lord Jesus. And that's the breastplate of righteousness. And in verse 15, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. we got to be shooed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, by the way, Paul's probably looking at the Roman soldiers that have him under arrest. And he's looking at the different parts of their armor and all. But... You know, with Roman soldiers, this protects the warrior's feet. Roman soldiers did, did most of their traveling on foot. One of the toughest things about getting through Marine Corps boot camp, wearing our boots, was trying to get to the point where you can hike 5 to 10 miles carrying a lot of heavy gear with blisters all over your feet. That's not fun. And, um, but you need good footwear. Roman soldiers did most of their traveling on, on foot. Speed and timing are important. For battle, but Paul tells us here the preparation. Some translations read the readiness of the gospel of peace. We got to be ready. You know, United States Marine Corps. They were thinking of getting rid of the Marine Corps because it's like a branch of the Navy, and we already have the Army. They were thinking of getting getting rid of Congress was thinking of getting rid of the United States Marine Corps, and they did some research. This is like I don't know thirty years ago or so, and they came to the conclusion we can't get rid of the United States Marine Corps. Because it's our force and readiness. They're always ready to go at a moment's notice. Okay? So when I got out of the Marine Corps, what a resume. It was like, all I showed was I could blow things up. You know? So I was either going to be a cop, security, corrections officer, or mafia hitman. I wasn't wasn't, uh, qualified for anything else. But praise God, while in law enforcement, I trained, got my training for the ministry. Um... But whatever the case here, um, a force in readiness. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, there is no Christian force in readiness. Let me repeat that. There is no Christian force in readiness. We don't have a Christian Marine Corps. If you're not ready to share your faith tomorrow, you can't, you can't just get on a phone and say, hey... Uh, you know, do a Christian 911 and call and say, hey, yeah, I need a Christian force and readiness to witness to a guy because uh, I'm not quite sure how to do it. I'm not, I don't really feel like doing it today. The entire church, all of us, we have to be ready at all times. Without any notice at all, we've got to be ready to share our faith. Are you a force in readiness? Are you prepared to share the good news of peace. Peace with God through faith in Jesus, which is the only way to have peace 
with other people. Um, we've got to be ready. This is why in 1 Peter 3.15, um, in fact, let's look at 1 Peter 3.15. The Apostle Peter says this, But sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your hearts. Always being what? Always being ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, with gentleness and respect. Are you ready not only to share your faith, but defend the faith? Are you always ready? Uh... We'll close with this passage, Isaiah 52, verse 7. And we're going to close with a passage, but uh, that doesn't mean we're ending right away. i got a little illustration that comes with it. But Isaiah 52, 7. You see, back in ancient times, you'd have watchtowers for the city. Okay? And you'd have messengers. So when your people were, were going to battle, the guys in the watchtower would look to see when the messengers would come back. Okay? They'd let everybody, hey, the messenger's coming back. And they're going to tell you either good news, we won the battle, or bad news, we're getting whooped. Okay? And they're coming for us. It's time to get out of here. And... Um, but what happened was the guys in the watchtower got so good, they could tell as soon as they see that little speck, that little guy running towards them, they could tell by the guy. They could tell whether the guy had happy feet or not. They could tell by the... Because, you know, when you got to run like 20-something miles, okay, you're probably not going to be skipping along and real happy unless your people have won the battle. And so these watchtower guys didn't even have to wait for the messengers to come back. They would start telling the people if they won or lost based on the way the guy was running when he's coming back. I don't know, I don't know if you have happy feet. We got, we're supposed to have happy feet. But Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, if you love Jesus, you, you want beautiful feet. We all should have beautiful feet. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. That's what the gospel is. Good news. Who proclaims peace. That's what the gospel does. Uh, through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. And that enables us to have peace with uh, other people in the church. Peace in Christ. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who proclaims peace who brings glad tidings of good things, who pro proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, who says to Jerusalem, your God reigns. And then it talks about the watchmen lifting up uh, their voices. Um, we need to always be ready to bring good news of peace to others. We need to always be ready to share the gospel message um, with others, we need to have beautiful feet. I'll be honest, some of us probably don't have beautiful feet. Uh, can you share the gospel message in 30 seconds or less? You bump into a guy at Starbucks or at Walmart and you start talking and God gives you an open door. Okay? And you, you, you got 30 seconds with this guy or this gal and you may never see them again. Can you share the gospel in 30 seconds? How about two minutes? Can you share the gospel message with somebody who uh, you got two minutes with? You know, I've done a lot of flying before COVID to speak around the country. And um, can you share the gospel in six hours? You know, sometimes it might, it might be two hours of just finding common ground. But then you still got four hours left, okay? But you got to be ready. You got to be ready. I don't know why, but the perfect, all powerful God chose us, His church, to 
preach the good news of salvation. Okay? And the world doesn't even think that's true. The world's got lies. We have the truth. We have the gospel message. Please pray that God gives you beautiful feet and empowers you, prepares you, makes you ready to share the good news of peace with others that God brings into your life. You know the shoebox thing, the Franklin Graham thing? That's good news of peace. You saw those guys going over the desert and all? That's some happy feet. That's some beautiful feet. And wouldn't it be nice if we can get those, those shoeboxes out, the kids all over the world? Wouldn't it be nice if we can bring the good news of peace, the good news of salvation through Jesus to our next-door neighbors, to our co-workers, to our relatives? we got to preach Jesus. I don't know. I'll be honest. Things are getting so bad. All I know, I mean, I'm your pastor. I'm supposed to know a lot. All I know is this. Look, just, just preach Jesus. When in doubt, preach Jesus. Just preach Jesus till he comes back. Okay? Things are going to get really bad here on planet Earth and the United States of America. That's okay. Um, Jesus said the world, if you find the world hates you, know it has hated me before it hated you. We just got to preach Jesus. We've got to have beautiful feet and preach the good news of peace, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ until he returns. So right now, let's focus on that this week. Do I have on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and um, are, are, am I shooed, are my feet shooed with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, I thank you so much, Lord, and my wife and I can be back home with our family, our uh, local body of believers. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would help us all, each and every one of us, to put on the full armor of God. That we would be people of truth, people of righteousness, faith, and love. And that we would be people who would proclaim the good news of peace through salvation in Jesus. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here, I don't know the hearts of everybody that's here, if there's anyone here who's never trusted in Jesus for salvation, I pray that they would, would recognize that we're all sinners. The Bible says we all fall short. None of us deserve heaven. But that your perfect son became a man and took our punishment upon himself and died on the cross for our sins and then he rose from the dead to conquer death for us. So it's my prayer, Lord, that each and every person here would trust in Jesus alone for salvation. We would not trust in ourselves. We would not trust in the government or the wisdom of man or science, whatever it may be, that we would trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation. And for those of us who believe, may we acknowledge that your Holy Spirit indwells us and empowers us to be all that you called us to be. So may your spirit empower us to be people of truth, people of righteousness, and people who proclaim the good news of salvation and peace to a world of lies. To the triune God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, be all the glory. Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you, everybody, and uh, have, a, have a great week there.